0: Welcome to New Covenant Church. You're listening to this week's message with teaching pastor, Daryl Feimster.
1: This morning I'm going to be speaking to the church. I believe that God is doing something right now in our midst. I mean, I don't mean, I mean right now. Right now. In our midst. And uh, this is Isaiah 43. It says, Fear not, verse 5, Fear not, for I am with you, and I am going to bring your descendants from the east. And I'm going to gather you from the west. And I'll say to the north, give them up. And to the south, don't keep them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I've created for my glory, I have formed him. Yes, I have made him. I want us to do something this morning that we we used to do. I believe that God has a multitude of sons and daughters that He's going to be bringing to New Covenant. I believe that uh, we are strategically placed for such a time as this. I believe that the message He has going forth is something that's uh, life-giving and will actually transform people's lives. And I believe that what He's going to be doing in the midst of New Covenant over the next times and seasons... Uh, I just think we need to join in Him and stop being afraid. Stop being afraid of what's going on in the world. Stop being afraid of what everybody else is saying. Stop being afraid of what might or might not happen. Stop being afraid. Fear not. I'm with you. Now listen, I'm going to bring, God's going to bring your descendants from the east, the west, the north, and the south. I'm going to ask you to do something prophetically with me if you would this morning. I want you to stand up. This is north. Turn around and face the north. And I'm gonna ask you to say something with me. And what I'm gonna ask you, I'm gonna just ask you, say north, give them up. You ready? One, two, three. North, give them up. Move to your right. This is the east. Say it with me. East, give them up. East, give them up. Another right to the south. South? Give them up. Another right to the west. West, give them up. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created for my glory, I have formed him. Yes, I have made them. And I will bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth, says the Lord God Almighty. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's be seated, if you would. God is up to something. And it's good. Have you ever been up to no good? God's up to good. The world's up to no good. I've never seen a time when there's more degradation and division and lies and spin and crime and blasphemy and anarchy as we're seeing in our day. It's a dark time. It's a dark time. But let me tell you, God's got good news for dark times. We are talking about living right side up, living right side up in an upside down world. And this morning I want to talk to the church, I want to, I want to encourage you, I want to, um, I, I know you're getting a bad rap, um, the world, apparently the world thinks that the, G, the church of Jesus Christ is outdated and outnumbered and overrated, but that we're no longer culturally relevant. I'm not sure I want to be relevant to the culture we're in today um i want to be contextually real though i want to be real i want to be real of who god made me in this world today i want to be real uh, i want to talk about living right this morning uh you know I, as i look at it jesus didn't fit into the cultures of his day either he brought another kingdom into reality When he stepped foot on this earth and when he preached his first message, it was repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. It was in him. He was present with it, with all of its power and with its prestige. He lived right in the middle of this broken, sinful world and he showed us what the kingdom of God was like. Then instead of condemning the world and condemning sinners, he died for sin. He was buried, but death didn't have any legal right to hold him. And so he rose victorious, having paid sin's price in full. He rose from the grave, bringing the resurrection life and the restoration of God's kingdom back to be a living reality for all who would believe him, receive him, and respond to him. He redeemed and restored all that Adam had lost in unbelief. Now all who look to Him, trust what Jesus has established, are now being transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of God. I think we're on the brink of a harvest. You know why I know that? Because it's dark. It's dark. It looks hopeless. It looks helpless. It looks like nothing's going to change. Let me tell you, every time it looked like nothing was going to change, God shows up. And He's showing up. He's showing up, and he's showing up in the church. Now, the church, the world may think that uh, the church is outdated and unneeded, but let me remind you, there's another opinion. That other opinion is Matthew sixteen eighteen, Matthew sixteen eighteen. I'm only going to read the last part of it, but it's, I'm going to read it out of the Amplified version. Jesus is talking. Peter has just received the revelation that Jesus is the Son of God. He's the Son of God, the anointed of God. And, and Jesus said, flesh and blood hadn't revealed that to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And He says, upon this revelation, look at this word. He says, I will build my church. Jesus says, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades, the powers of the infernal region, shall not overpower it. You want to read that again? Shall not overpower it, or be strong to its detriment. It's not going to deter it. And nor is it going to hold out against it. The gates of hell are not going to overpower the church, not deter what God is doing, and not hold out against it. God is winning. The church will win. The church is not some building or even a religious institution. What I want to encourage you this morning that you sitting here, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are the little, little, you are the literal, the physical expression, the body of Christ. You're the expression of the living Lord Jesus on this planet now. You're His body. He is the head, but you're His body. We don't get it. We think that we're just an organization that's put here to just hopefully make it to the end. Folks, listen to me. Jesus Christ is alive in you. Maybe that's why Paul prayed in Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to read this to you. I hope you'll just it's going to be on the screen, but I hope you'll just let this come listen this is my prayer for you too. This is my prayer. I ask I ask the God of our Master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent and discerning in knowing Him personally. I pray your eyes will be focused and clear so that you can see exactly what it is He's calling you to do. That you will grasp the immensity of this glorious way of life That he has for his followers. Oh, the utter extravagance of his work in us who trust him. Endless energy, boundless strength. How many of you need endless energy, boundless strength? Now look at verse 20. All this energy issues or comes from Christ. Now where is Christ? He's in us. But he's also, God raised him from the dead and set him on a throne in deep heaven. In charge of running the universe, everything from galaxies to governments. No name and no power is exempt from His rule. And not just for the time being, but forever. He's in charge of it all, has the final word on everything. And at the center of all this, Christ rules, is responsible, has taken full responsibility, that's what the word rules mean, for the church. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which He speaks and acts, by which He fills everything with His presence. Last week, I shared with you the revelation that God's giving me about the overall... Uh, Drama, the overall story of the Scripture. That from Genesis to Revelation, from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, it is one story, though it's made up of books, of 66 books that were written over a 1,500 year span on three different continents. It is one story. And that story not only has a beginning and a middle and a restoration, but it has an end. And that end is as certain as the beginning. And I want you to understand that you're a part of that story. It's one story of the drama of the universe, the Creator and His kingdom. God created. And what He created, He ruled over. And He gave it to man to rule, but He lost it by man's unbelief. And He restored it by Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. When Jesus, and we sang about it, It's true. When Jesus said, it is finished, He didn't say, it will be finished. He said, it is finished. The kingdom was restored. Sin and death had been conquered. The kingdom of God has been given to the Son, Jesus, to rule over. And He's ruling over it now. The new creation. You are a new creation in Christ. That doesn't start someday. It started the day you trusted Christ. In fact, it started the day Jesus rose from the grave and poured out His Spirit upon all flesh. That's who you are. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. Everything has become new. That's who you are. Jesus is not going to be Lord someday. He's Lord right now. He is ruling. The curse of sin and death is broken. Jesus is in charge of it all and He has the final word on everything and He has spoken. And we are alive in the reality of the restored kingdom and we should be living in confident expectation of its fullness that's going to be displayed when Jesus comes back. But in the meantime... That's where we live right now, is in the meantime. The overlap of the ages. Sin and death and the devil are still here. And Jesus is Lord over all right now. And we live in that tension of the reality of sin and death and the devil and the reality of Jesus Christ as being Lord. He is right now Lord. And He has given into our hands His body, His feet, His church, the responsibility to live out of the reality of that truth that Jesus is Lord in the midst of sin and death and sickness and Satan. And He's given us all authority to live that way right now. I'm so concerned that the church has bought the world's lie. You're no longer relevant, you're overrated, and you're outnumbered. Folks, listen. (laughs) The church is not outnumbered. It has one Lord. And He has the final word on everything. So, He's inviting us to live in His story. Well, why why doesn't Jesus just come back and wipe all them out and everything? Because God's not willing that any should perish. God so loved the world that God gave His Son Jesus that whoever would believe in Him would not perish, not be annihilated, not be cast into hell, but given everlasting, eternal life, given God's life. The reason we're in the meantime is God still wants the world to come to know Him. He wants to give the world a chance. It's time the church gives the world a chance. Listen to me. It's time we see the world for what it is. It's lost. It's dead. It's rotting. And you are the ones that are going to make the difference. That's what I want you to see this morning. Well, how do we do it? Jesus actually told us when he gathered, when the people gathered on a hillside to hear Him teach for the first time. We call it the Sermon on the Mount. It was actually the inaugural address concerning the kingdom that He was bringing. In other words, if you read the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7, I want you to turn to Matthew 5 if you have your Bibles. Matthew 5 through 7, I want you to understand that that is, a, that is a, an expression of the kingdom life that Jesus came to bring. It wasn't a a, a commands for you to try to live it. It was the invitation for you to step in it with Him and allow Him to redeem you, restore you, and let you live it with His presence and help. I actually, I wasn't going to read any... uh, I read this for the first time out of the message translation. You know the Beatitudes, Blessed is He, blessed is He, blessed is He... And I read it for the first time out of the message translation. And so it's not going to be on the screen. But can I just read it to you? And then we'll get to our text. Here's what Eugene Peterson translates the Beatitudes. See if we can identify with it. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there's more of God and His rule. You're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. You're blessed when you're content with just who you are no more, no less. And that's the moment you find yourselves proud owners of everything that can't be bought. You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. You're hungry for Him because you're going to find He's food and drink and, and the best meal you'll ever eat. You're blessed when you care. At the moment of being careful or full of care, you find yourself cared for. You're blessed when you when you get your inside world, your mind and your heart put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. You're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. You're blessed when your commitment to God provokes persecution. The persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. Not only that, count yourselves blessed every time people put you down or throw you out or speak lies about you to discredit me. What it means is, is that the truth is too close for comfort and they're uncomfortable. You can be glad when that happens. Give a cheer even. For though they don't like it, I do. All of heaven applauds And know that you're in good company. My prophets and witnesses have always gotten into this kind of trouble. I want this morning to just encourage you to understand that God has made you into something absolutely unique and distinct from the world. You're different from anybody else in this universe. God has made you a part of His body. If you know Jesus Christ this morning you are a part of his body you're the way i would like to say it because i believe it's true you're the flesh and blood of jesus on this earth today you're his body your hand you're his hands his feet his love his life you're you're the expression of it well what does that mean i want you to look and this is in the new king james it's the text is matthew 5:13 through 16 Two things I want you to see this morning. You are the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how will it be seasoned? It's good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Verse 14, you are the light of the world a city that's set on a hill cannot be hidden you're not going to be shadowed you're not going to be hidden nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket but but they put it on a lampstand and it gives light to all who are in the house let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven i want to i want to say this uh, I, want to, I want you to hear this because i really want this to be encouraging I want you to see who you are. Because it's when we know who we are, we know where we fit. It's when we know who we are, we know what we're to do. Jesus said this, you are the salt of the earth. Two two characteristics he talks about of being his people, your salt and light. But I want you to note the word you are. You are, not might be. The verb used here for are is in the present tense indicative mood. You say, Preacher, I didn't need a language test. Listen, I think you'll like this. Indicative mood, the indicative mood means it's an actual reality. It's a fact. It's a certainty. You are, in fact, right now, as far as God's concerned, salt of the earth. You are right now, as far as God's concerned, light of the world. You are. The present tense means it expressed a constant condition to conti- be continually the lifestyle of every citizen of the king- kingdom every day of their life here on this earth. The present tense. You are right now in actual fact and you will always be salt and light as far as God's concerned. Now most of the times, how we hear that preached is you should be. You better be. We need to be. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's just finished telling these people that had all these struggles and all these things going on, even the persecution. And he said, you ought to just rejoice because this is who you are. You are right now and you will forever be salt, light. What's salt? Salt. We think salt, I mean, how many of you salt your food before you taste it? Right? Me too. How many of you have been told you were not supposed to do that? Yeah, me too. I do it anyway. Because everything tastes better with salt. I want you to listen to me. I believe that what God is saying to us is that we literally ought to be the spice of life as far as the world's concerned. We ought to be the happiest, most joyful. We ought to be most satisfied. We ought to be the one who is absolutely content with who we are and why we're here. Salt. Here's the thing you don't know about salt, but in Jesus' day, it was incredibly valuable. And I want you to hear in my heart, you are incredibly valuable to this earth. You. Everybody said, you don't count, you don't matter. You, you know, you're, you're way out, you're out of date, you're outnumbered. You're, listen, God says you're highly valued. Did you know that we get our word salary from the Latin word for salt? Our word salary comes from the Latin word salarius, salt. And the reason is, is because the salt was so valuable in the days of the Romans that they would literally pay their soldiers with salt. It was so valuable. It was better than having coins and better than having uh, other things that they might pay with. In other words, it was so valuable. I want you to understand this morning that you are so valuable to this earth right now. You say, well, who am I? You're salt. They paid the Romans. How many of you ever heard, he's not worth his salt? Did you know that came from the Romans? Because if a Roman soldier would not fulfill his duty, he wasn't worth his salt. You are the salt of the earth, Jesus said. You're highly valued. Salt had worth, value, importance. Salt was a valuable because it was a preservative. It was. It not only was exchanged as thing, but it was absolutely necessary. It was necessary in their day because they didn't have refrigeration. Salt became the means of preserving meat from decaying. It became the means, even the fishermen would uh, soak up, cover their their fish, their catch in salt so it wouldn't spoil. The One Greek writer, I like this, he said that meat is a part of a dead body. Meat is a part of a dead body and will, left to itself, go bad. But salt preserves it and keeps it fresh. So salt is like a new soul inserted into a dead body. The salt seemed to put a kind of life into it. Salt preserves what will naturally rot. Listen to me. The world, apart from Jesus Christ, will rot. It's dead in trespasses and sins. Why do we expect it to be better? we are the salt we literally it is i believe with all of my heart the world isn't worse than it is because the church is still on this earth there is still the salt that, the salt of the earth that's preserving that's being rubbed into society even as bad as it looks as listen it's nothing to what it could be without you It's nothing. Perhaps in America we have the joys, we have the economy, we have the things that we have because there's been salt in America. But if salt loses its savor, there's the warning. Salt, valuable. It preserves. It seasons. It enhances the flavor. Everything tastes better with salt. Our society today needs salt. Also, salt will create thirst. If you eat something salty, what do you do? You get a drink. To be salty is to be faithful to, to live the life Christ is living through you, out of you, in the midst of this world, in such a way that you're faithful to God in the face of all the things of this world. And when you do that, listen, there's a world, you're the Bible, you're the only Bible most people are going to read. You're the salt. You're of incredible value and you are the preserving agent and you are the one who creates thirst in the world that says I I need what they have, but let me tell you this: salt also irritates. Have you ever put salt on an ulcer in your mouth? How many of you know it heals, but man, it'll kill you in the meantime. It's a disinfectant. It it. What I'm trying to. I just want to paint a picture for you that you are so valuable to this earth right now that if you don't understand that, we'll tend to back off and say, well, does no good. Let me tell you, you're the good that's being done in this earth today. And God wants the whole world to get thirsty. You're the good. You're the, you're the preserving agent. And yes, you irritate. You're a great pain to people because you won't do what they want you to do. You won't live like them. Let me tell you, why do they hate us? Why do they hate us? Well, because we're salt. And we are being, we're being rubbed into the world the right way. Has anybody ever rubbed you the wrong way? We're the church and God is rubbing us into the world the right way as the healing agent. And if we can catch a picture that that's who I am, I'm salt. Jesus said, you are right now a fact and you will continue to be salt. Folks, you're not going to get unsalty unless you compromise. And that's what it is. It says, well, uh, but if salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? Now I just tell you, sodium chloride uh, cannot lose its saltiness. It is a stable compound, but the word loses its flavor here. A, a, a strange Greek word; it, it translates tasteless. But but here in but the reality, the morion, no however you say that, it literally means to play the fool, to not be who you really are. To not be distinct. In other words, to be compromised. Salt in that day was rarely pure. Salt in Jesus' day was rarely pure because it was dug and transported, and it was such a high valued thing that oftentimes they would mix sand with it to get more money. And they would dilute the salt with the sand, but it looked but it was so they could make a profit. Then there was also even the Dead Sea. We, all the salt, but the salt down there is not pure either because it's mixed with all the minerals of the Dead Sea. And so what happens is they used to put salt underneath plates at the oven that they would bake in. And then when the, after a while, the salt would be used up and it would not be heating and holding the heat like it should. And so they would take that out and throw it out on the road so it could be packed And people would trot it on the ground and they'd put new salt under the plates of their ovens in order for it to bake right. Whatever language, it's hard to translate. The whole idea is saying when it has been compromised, when it has lost its functionality, it's good for nothing. Folks, we can't lose what God made us to be. It, don't compromise don't lose your place don't don't lose your purpose I, i'm not talking about your purpose in ministry i'm talking about your purpose in being a part of the body of christ in this world being salt and being light let me go on Havner, Habner. <laughs> no preacher he's good with words let me read you what he said he says we need to get into the salt business Talking so about the church. This is God's program. Sounds old-fashioned, I know, but salt is old-fashioned. Sin is old-fashioned, and so is the good news. It's old-fashioned. We we've been tickling palates with fancy flavors and spicy relishes and clever recipes borrowed from the world far too long. Too many pulpit gourmets and theological epicures with menus from Hollywood are trying to please the jaded appetites of the fed-up humanity. We need old-fashioned salt. If we don't start producing more of it in our churches, we shall be good for nothing but to be cast out and trotter under the foot of men. God give us salt, and He has. George Truitt said, You're either being corrupted by the world or you are salting it. You're either compromising or you're salting it. Now before that sounds so negative and all this... Four one-hundredths of an ounce of salt can be mixed into and still tasted in 538 quarts of water. Four one-hundredths of an It's not about the amount. It's about the impact. It's about the, the presence and the permeation. And here's the whole thing. In order for something to be... Uh, Preserved, it's got to be rubbed on. In other words, we need to penetrate our world. Most of us are satisfied to be in the shaker called the church on Sunday. God wants us to be out of the salt shaker. Rubbing with the world. Rubbing into the world. Not compromising, but being that preservative that keeps it... I've been a preacher for... Almost 50 years, and here's what I've discovered. People talk different when I come into the room. (laughs) I've also discovered they don't act the way that they normally would act when I'm around. Now, let me ask you a question. Why do they act that way with you? It's not a condemnation, but are we salty enough that when we get in there, it changes them? Now, i tell you why they do it around me. is because they know I'm a preacher. If they didn't know I'm a preacher, you can't believe what I've heard on the golf course. <laughs> or in those places where they don't know who I am. Here's what I want to be. I want to be so alive with the saltiness of Jesus Christ that just literally the presence would make a difference in people's lives. I want to encourage you, get salty. And he says, let your words be seasoned with salt, purified. Let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth, but let it be seasoned with salt. And there's one other thing that I don't have in my notes that I need to share with you because it's in my study as I studied it. Salt was in the... Covenant salt was also a place of an offering it was put to be added to offerings in the old covenant it's still that way in the arab world in the arab world when when uh, an arab uh, that that people invite you in and and you eat of their salt they take responsibility to protect you and to be your friend forever Here's what I, my heart is. My heart is is that we would learn how to make a covenant with salt with our neighbors and our friends. Whether they are converted or not, that's not the deal. Whether they trust Jesus or not, I, I, we want them to, but whether they do or not, we enter into a relationship that's so salty that I'll accept responsibility for your good and for your, your place in this world. I want you to know my God and His kingdom, but if you don't, I want the best for you. I want to be your friend. We've got to get salty. Then he says, you are the light of the world. He didn't say you are a light. He didn't say uh, you will become light or you will shine light. He said you are light, the light of the world. And you can't be hidden. Very quickly... Here's the truth, it's Ephesians 5, 8, Paul said, it says, you were once darkness, but now you've become, or you've been made the light of the Lord in the Lord. Therefore, walk as children of the light. You've been, you've been given the light. Now, the light is Him. The light is Him, the light of the world. Jesus said, I am the light of the world, and I live in you. You are the light of the world. Light reveals Scientists don't fully understand what light is or even all it can do. They just know that it will illuminate our future. And here's the thing that I, I thought was so good. Here's what they tell us. Usually we don't see light. We see because of light. Usually we don't see. Now I'm looking up there and I can see those lights. But the reality is I can see those lights because there's light. There's light. we don't see light we see because of the light with the light the light and here's the thing he who holds the light rules the darkness you can most most Christians I know are afraid of the dark I don't mean the dark like blackness of night. I'm talking about the darkness that's going on in the world right now. Most of us are scared of the dark. We're scared it's going to overpower us. We're scared it's going to have its way in us. We're scared that we're really going to be defeated. We're scared of what might happen in the dark. People say, I'm not scared of the dark. I'm just scared of what happens in the dark. Listen to me. John John eight twelve says this. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. That means if you're not following Christ, you're walking in darkness. But it also means if you are following Christ, you have the light of life, and now you can walk right in the middle of the dark and light it up. You are full of light. Let it shine. Let it shine. How do I do that? With good works. God works. Let me tell you this about good works. Good works is just doing what you normally do with God's life on it. It's God works. You can do nothing without Him. So everything you do, as, as you trust Him, and as you rely upon Him, He's going to be doing that through you. And people are going to see that. So let it shine. You're not to be hidden. You're, not to, be, you're to be displayed. What, what salt is, it becomes invisible. What light is, it becomes visible. Let God use you to show. The other word is light, light directs. It shows the way and exposes the dangers. Just real quickly, let me just say this. Uh, there's a story about there was one pitch black night and this captain of a ship, he spots a light dead ahead of him on a collision course with his vessel. And so he sends a warning and he says, change your course 10 degrees east. And there's a signal comes back to him that says, Change your course to ten degrees west. The captain is enraged. And he says, I'm captain of the United States in the United States Navy. Change your course, sir. And the response came back, I'm a seaman second class. Change your course, sir. Now the captain's furious. I'm a battleship and I'm not changing course. And then there was one last reply. I'm a lighthouse. It's your call. Jesus is our lighthouse. We are the container of the lighthouse. Well, you need to change, preacher. You need to change your theology. You need to. Ch- I've only got one light, and it's on a solid rock. So if anything's going to change, it's not going to be me, it's going to be what God does in you. You're the light of the world. You are salt and light. Don't compromise your distinction. Don't listen to the world's lies. Distortions. You're a follower of Jesus Christ. Don't apologize for shining a light on Jesus. He's the rock of salvation. He's the only hope of this world and you're his body. Uh, Connie and I sometimes like to go to movies. We had not been in one in a long time, but we, we like to go to movies. I eat salt on my popcorn. Usually when we get there, if we don't salt it, we come in there and we say, it needs salt. But there's something we always go a little bit early because if you go early, there's, there's always, and now they've started, even when they said the show was supposed to start, they have a, about 20 minutes of previews of coming attractions. Know what I'm talking about? Preview of a coming attraction, now listen to me, is... Images are are cuts out of the original, the actual film, and they've taken images or or cuts out of it in order for you to see something and for you to know you want to see the movie. You understand? Yeah, somebody said, and they'll usually show you the best part. If you would seen that, you've seen the movie. I hope that's true because I believe with all of my heart the church is the previews of coming attractions I hope that it is actual footage into what's going to be and what will be right now in our time that we can display the kingdom of God in such a way that will make the, the world interested in God's kingdom you're his church stay right side up when all the world is wanting to turn you upside down, stay true to God. His word is sure. It's going to end exactly like He said. Everything's going to be the way He said. And listen to me. You're not going to fail when you stick close to Jesus. Everybody can tell you this won't work, this won't work. Let me tell you what salt does its work. It does it secretly, and it does it, and it will continue to do it. Let me just invite you to invite you to invite the Lord to say, Lord, make me salty. Lord, put me in a place where the light of Jesus can shine its brightest. You say, preacher, do you really think that will make any difference? Well, let me just give you something. Two thousand years ago, Jesus died on a cross on the other side of the world. And there was just a few people that knew the effect of His death on the cross. That knew that sin had been forgiven. And on Pentecost He poured out His Spirit and, and 3,000 people came after the pouring out of the Spirit. Did you know that right now statistics tell us, this, these statistics are probably a year and a half, two years old, that 3,000 people every 27 minutes are coming to Jesus in the world? Wow. Jesus died on the other side of the earth 2,000 years ago. We're here in the central Texas on almost exactly opposite of that place and we're in a building dedicated to his worship, reading his word, encouraging one another to walk faithfully with him and to serve him until he comes back. And we're we're just one church out of hundreds of thousands scattered across our nation. Does this work? Salt and light works. Be the influence God has called you to be. Be right side up in an upside down world and watch what He does. Megan's going to sing a song, and I'm going to invite you to sing it with her. Lord, and here's the invitation. Build your kingdom here. Build your kingdom in me. Because the north, the south, the east, and the west needs to know who Jesus is. Needs to know the promises of the kingdom. And God is God enough to bring them in. Let's be salty and shining. Father, I pray right now that You would pour out Your Spirit upon us. Lord, let us see the truth and make it real to us. Lord, let us be who You've made us to be in our generation. Jesus, change a life, change a family, change a community, change a county, change a state,
0: change a nation,
1: change our world. With your salt and light called your church. In Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand together?
0: We indeed are in the church. Together corporately. And it takes every single one of us doing what God's created us to do. For us to really make a change. If, if we relied on Daryl or Chris... Or, or me to do everything that the church need to be done It's not going to get done It could with a miracle But God created you for a specific reason There's a part for you to play in this And every situation Every interaction that we have We're either bringing us Or we're bringing God And He's still working on me in this Sometimes I bring me in it the, the outcome is not positive Bring the salt and the light that God's already given to us that we already are. Amen. Father God, thank you that you sent your Holy Spirit to be with us at all times and all situations, to lead us, to guide us, to speak to us. Give us the right words to say. Give us the right actions. Give us the right attitudes. Lord, let us be salt and light to those that you bring into our lives and for those that are around us. In Jesus' name we amen. One quick announcement and then I need your help. August 24th, this next uh, Wednesday a week, 10 days from now, uh, NCC kids start off. A lot of our life groups are starting back. Go to com, our website for times, details, places, locations, what we're going to do, how we're going to do it, where it is. Thank you for listening to this week's message.